How can a kiss change your life? Well, pucker up, friends, because in today's episode of Planner Lifestyle Podcast, I'm exploring the idea of the keep it simple sweetheart principle. Before we dive in, welcome to the show. My name is Jessica McWilliams, and I am your host. Thank you for being here. I'll be the first to admit that simplicity sometimes is sort of like a carrot at the end of a dangling stick. Do we ever really get there? Is it is it ever really done? And how does that make us feel? Do we even need it? Or is it just another movement that tells us that what we're doing isn't quite up to snuff? I'm going to work through some of this today with you, for myself, and I guess by myself. Um, still in the claws here, folks. But first, a word from our sponsor. Okay, admit it. Are you one who was listening to the intro and mumbling or yelling at the radio or laptop or your phone or whatever going, no, it's keep it simple, stupid, stupid. Yes, I know the original phrase was coined by Kelly Johnson. She was an engineer who worked for Lockheed Skunk Works, which I guess was Lockheed Martin's advanced aircraft developmental program, according to Techopedia. It was in the mid-1900s, and she coined the term KISS and made it a principle during a long engineer career. I mean, this is based on similar, uh, I guess you could say, concepts or philosophies like Albert Einstein. Everything should be made as simple as possible, but not simpler. This means that one should simplify the design of a product, and success is achieved when a design is at its maximum simplicity. Kiss can also mean keep it short and simple, or I've heard short and sweet. So take whatever cliche saying you want to do, keep it simple and straightforward. And yes, the irony is not lost on me that keep it short and sweet is literally not in my wheelhouse at all. And season four is all about the short and sweet episode, 30 minutes or less. So cross your fingers. Um, I may or may not be able to do this method while exploring the method. But if you boil it down, it is just a design principle primarily for people who make products to not overcomplicate their systems, whether you're designing or coding a website, whether you are designing or building a bridge, really apply it mostly, I think, to like a output. I want to be able to apply this principle in development into my planning lifestyle. So yeah, let's go. If I were to simmer down this principle to my actual planning regimen, I could see where over the years that I have gravitated towards some products that had many features and I would say maybe would fall under the, the guideline of like over-engineered. This could look like several different things. And I'm thinking back to there have been seasons in my life, and I've said it in other episodes, where a monthly spread is really all I can handle. And so I would have a lot more in a planner than necessarily that I was using. I mean, I've kind of come to terms because maybe the next month uh, in a planner, in a yearly planner, that that sensation or that desire to just, you know, have the monthly spread only is gone. And so then I use the weekly on a regular basis. And yes, that might sound to you very basic if we're just talking about a monthly spread versus weekly spread as over-featured. Because let's be honest, many of us have sought after things with 
so many features. It's like the more features, the better. The more features, the more, you know, peaceful our future. And if that has found success in your life, you probably love it so much that you share about it on Instagram. You probably tell everybody you know. So if you have some features that you just cannot live without or that you have in your planning regimen, please let me know. Go to Facebook and head over to the Planner Lifestyle group. There's a page just for the show, but the group is where um, questions are asked and listeners can respond there and we can get advice What systems have been so feature-heavy that they no longer make your experience user-friendly? And it could be something that you have done to your own experience. For example, I know many times I have so many products in front of me. I mean, secretly, I kind of like that, like to spread out on a table and just have the resources at at my hand and pick up a little of this and a little of that and really just get creative and get into my jam and have like a flow experience just trying to either put my timeline of what I need to get done for the year like a kind of like a brainstormy way or grabbing like raw materials you know like stamps and stickers and really getting into the aesthetics of how I lay that out or what type of reminders I'm setting myself up for is it does it look interesting enough for my visual brain to sort of sear that into my memory. Every answer is going to be different. I mean, for example, have you ever tried color coding? Some people, it's just ingrained in them. They see their family uh, in different color tones because they use the the goldenrod color for the mild liner for their husband and they use the gray for their son and they use the baby blue for their daughter. You know, it's just and everything kind of in their life flows in that way. And they found a really comforting, soothing aesthetic and functionality that's just like out of this world. A great example of this is Julie K from Plan to Create. That's Plan, the number two, and Create. She's on Etsy. She's on YouTube. She's on Instagram. And why is she not blowing up bigger than she is? I absolutely love her style. She can color code, but make it so pretty you almost don't know it's being color coded. And not that that's necessarily a goal of mine, but I love watching her do it. You know what I mean? It's okay to have features that you love watching other people do and they are crushing it and you can just like pump them up or take, you know, dabble, like do it for a day or a month or just see how it goes for you. But if it's not not your thing or if it doesn't look exactly like hers, that's okay. You were inspired and you made a change in your life and you tried something. I think that's worth celebrating don't get down if it doesn't end up to be the feature that you love. And it, in fact, may have been the feature that got you out of the KISS principle and made it way more difficult for you to organize your thoughts or to keep on top of your schedule or put anything together that you loved aesthetically just because you just really couldn't vibe with those primary colors that you assigned to all three of your different cats. And so now all of a sudden you can't use your favorite sticker kit uh, for the upcoming holiday because it doesn't really look with, doesn't really look very great with 
their, you know, vitamin schedule or whatever it is you have going on in your life. If you do want to look a little bit deeper on how to mix aesthetics and color coding and mix the crafty like stamp and sticker kind of thing with a very calendar centric uh, approach to planning, please check out Julie K at Plan to Create. Now that you have an example of kind of what it looks like to have something be over featured to where it's maybe more complex than what's actually serving you in that moment, in that season, or for that purpose, or as in the engineers, the product or process, I'd like to move on to a little bit more of the definition of simplicity, because this is a word that gets thrown around as though it's the loftiest virtue that anyone could possibly arrive is simplicity. To kick off this portion, I wanted to credit Nick Skillercorn. He is a new-to-me YouTuber. No, podcaster. Goodness sakes, he's in the same industry. He is a podcaster and host of Idea to Value podcast. He does have some consulting for uh, business purposes and for artistic pursuits. Basically, like how to innovate your own thoughts, how to level up in your creativity, and how to distill that into the most effective I'm not quite sure his whole jam, but what I can tell from my brief survey on his website is that he really gets into the nitty gritty of ideas. And I read a blog article recently that he wrote at ideatovalue.com, and it was simple versus easy. I think it's April, it's from April 2021, but you can just search in the uh, search bar simple and it, it should come up. Shown in this blog article is a very straightforward, he calls it a spectrum, but it looks more like almost like a compass. So if you can picture northeast, south, and west. So from north to south, you have a continuum, I guess, um, a line where a north position would be. It just has the word complex. And then on the other end, so where the south position would be, it says simple. Okay, so then halfway through that line, there is a horizontal line. In the west position, you have easy. And in the east position, you have hard. And so he's seeing this as an aspects of a solution which exists on a spectrum and can be mapped on a two-by-two matrix. Okay, so maybe that's a matrix. That's where I about tapped out in Algebra 2 is the matrices, so... I'll take your word for it, Nick. Um, I'm going to call it my compass. And no, this has nothing to do with True North or any of that other planning system. (laughs) He says, just because something is simple does not mean that it is easy to do. Similarly, just because something is complex does not mean it needs to be hard. So if you'll indulge me, I actually have a few acrostic poems. I know. It's just, you know, you can't take the homeschooler out of me. It's It's just a thing. So I took those four words. I took complex and simple and easy and hard. An acrostic poem for those of you who uh, are really needing to maybe dust off those cobwebs from seventh grade English or whatever is basically taking a word and dividing up each letter of that word in a vertical line and then starting a word or phrase from that point on to create your poem. Okay, so first up, I have simple. Stunning ideas made purposefully plain, like but not limited to this elementary refrain. 
Now I have complex. Creative operations made to mind boggle and perplex. Like but not limited to ending this poem with an X. But easy goes like this. Equipped, effortless, adept and agile, seldom seen a struggle, yields all the while. And then hard. Hence, only half an hour had the hack arranged in a acrostic under attack. Hurried artistry by Jessica McWilliams. Rendered his rhetoric, rushed his rhyme, doublets deduced in doubled time. Redeemed design by Jessica McWilliams. Okay, so doublets have the uh, the title as part of that. So that's why I have like by Jessica McWilliams in there. It's like the form for a doublet. So thank you, Nick, for the random dose of inspiration that you gave me this week. I even want to dig a little bit deeper into what simple actually means to you because defining terms is so important to me. If you're a longtime listener in previous episodes, you'll know that I was a tutor or like mentor kind of teacher for a group of kids who were going through debate. And one of those skills is to really say, hey, What are we talking about here? When I say simple, this is what I mean. When you say simple, what do you mean? Okay, and carried on with the class and all that followed. But for you, if you're thinking about simple, you might be seeing a pin on Pinterest on how to live the simple life. It might have a very serene image, have intentional, slow these kind of ethereal images, like a faraway time, okay? And some people, they might run across a pin that says five simple, quick and easy dinner ideas, okay? Like you can do it in a half hour or less, weeknight, simple, simple meals, which is placed over an image of a busy person coming home from work and art projects on the table maybe or on the way to a soccer game and they're maybe popping something in the microwave. And that is a simplicity. Whereas the first image, you might think of someone who is living a simple life, milks the goats and makes the cheese. Whereas in the second image of simplicity or a simple definition, that individual could be doing an online grocery service or a like a Uber Eats situation where they're sourcing some of their ingredients from places outside of their home, maybe automatically, maybe uh, all digitally, which has streamlined their family time and frankly, that maybe even up to the quality of food they eat it's as opposed to maybe grabbing something fast food or skipping meals entirely. To each of these, let's say, pin individuals that I've been referencing, those ideals are simple to them. Now, if you were to reverse their roles, the system that was in place for each one of those individuals to reach simplicity or to strive for something simple in their lives would all of a sudden become very complex. Now we get a little touchy when we start talking about easy versus hard because it seems like a judgment, like, oh, that's so easy, that was too easy, that's too hard. 
And if it seems like the person who's doing the hard thing is somehow sort of elevated in our society's standards. But I'm here to challenge you that I don't think that's necessarily the way to go. Because for one thing, there is literally no way to rate an easy versus hard task in comparison to others because we all come from different backgrounds and abilities and lenses and experiences that help us determine what is easy for us might be really hard for someone else and vice versa. Let's use for an example an individual who has multiple planning systems going on at once. This to me is a very complex system. To some, it may be very easy. That's the way they compartmentalize. A faith planner for sermon notes and Bible studies and devotions. A home binder for projects and budgets and groceries. And just a work, a regular work planner for meetings and agendas and deadlines. To those people, I can view them coming from my eyes and my brain as a complex hard. However... Those people sitting there with stacks on stacks on stacks could view what they are doing as simple, easy. Are you catching my drift? Really probably a better idea to kind of gauge what you're doing in your lane. Really the whole point of this exercise isn't to walk away from this reflection, I guess you could call it, with a label for everything that you do. Like, okay, well, when I plan my next novel, that's a complex hard. And when I plan chicken on Tuesdays, that's a easy simple. And well, you know, there's like no point to that really. But I really do appreciate the framework for this language to be used to define these terms and to be able to communicate what's happening in your planning regimen if you do have to communicate that to other people. And most likely, if you're living in this world, we do have to communicate with other people, even if you're not living with any other people at the moment. If anything, I want you to take away from this is maybe a little bit more empathetic lens or maybe this is old news to you and you already have all of this down. But if you're thinking, well, that's so easy when you look at something that you're doing and are very successful at that maybe someone else is either new to or struggling with, frame your language in a way that could be an encouragement to someone else or an encouragement to yourself. Are you recognizing some features that your planning system has or that the products that you surround yourself with promote or that you find yourself continuing to buy that maybe have maybe overcomplicated things for you and you're finding yourself more in that complex hard quadrant where you want to love it but maybe you just don't anymore? Try pulling some of your habits closer to the easy and simple area, or like I guess you could call it kind of quadrant, where you could, I guess, let's take the example I had, what did I say earlier? Um, my next novel and chicken on Tuesdays. Okay, so let's say you are writing a book and you're finding yourself in a complex heart. Maybe you've listened to too many voices. Maybe you've taken a little of that philosophy and a little of this philosophy and you're going to pants it and you're going to plan it. Well, that doesn't, I mean, maybe, sure, I'm an unaccomplished author. I've never even published anything. But what I have gathered so far, those are kind of opposite things. And maybe you can kind of go back and forth a little bit. But if you're finding yourself going back and forth between pantsing, which is like 
writing by the seat of your pants where you don't really know necessarily what the word is going to type out next versus in a complete outline. If it's working for you, then maybe that feels easy and simple. But if you if it feels complex and hard and you're stunted, maybe you should pull back or or more focus what your purpose is and see if it kind of fits better in the easy simple when you're listening to fewer voices or fewer methods. And really, I should be in the complex region of this because uh, the little bit of writing I've tried to do, I realize this is a very, very complex uh, industry from creation to distribution to all the things. So maybe you're, if you're a complex hard, you want to go to a complex easy. Okay, so the next one is chicken on Tuesdays, which I said completely randomly. But there is a little bit of simplicity there. What day is it? Today's Tuesday. What's for dinner? chicken. Okay, so dinner time can be simple. Barring many, many of you I know have alternative work schedules and hours and dietary needs. Maybe you have cooking limitations um, or anything of that sort. So please don't read this or hear this rather. (laughs) I'm talking all that author business. This is a podcast. You're listening to me Um, that I'm like diminishing any of that from being complex because food and the food industry, whether it's either through production, storage, uh, you know, the whole health industry, GMO, I mean, the whole thing is very, very, very complex. But for the sake of argument, let's say that things are pretty straightforward and simple. There's 52 weeks in a year. So let's say for the sake of argument that there's 50 for easy math, of those weeks, you decide to make a homemade meal or a pieced together meal or an ordered in meal, however you want to view simple in your life for your eating, you make chicken on Tuesdays. Now I'm from Minnesota in the United States. And so we have very distinct four seasons that can easily be grouped by weather patterns and and by foods that are in season and or other holiday or cultural events that happen in our community that just kind of go with what I like to eat during that time of the year. So let's take our number 50 and divide it into four. So the seasons of the year, which gives us 12.5. Well, I'm not going to deal in a decimal point. So let's just call it 12. So if I have 12 times a winter, 12 times a spring, 12 times a summer, and 12 times a fall that I need to make chicken. This could really simplify things for me because, for example, I know that I like to eat warm things in in the wintertime. One of my personal favorites is a white chicken chili, which can easily be made at least in a double batch, if not more, and stores pretty decently in the freezer. So that already took care of one of those chicken meals, possibly two. And if I'd like to repeat it in the winter more than once, which likely I will if it's my favorite, right? Then you can count on that same recipe for maybe up to four times. So you've already gone a a third of your way through planning your chicken on Tuesdays in the wintertime. So maybe some of you have started to glaze over and said, whoa, 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 
we are crossing into complex, hard territory here. I thought you said this was easy, simple. But for me, thinking in big picture terms and a large scope and sequence soothes me. And the details sometimes make me feel like I'm just bogged down or somehow challenged to be so original. I'm looking at new recipes all of the time. And if that's your thing, like that's a whole jam for some people. That's a vibe. That's a deal. That's a gift. That's a calling. Thank you. I love some of my best friends are cooks and chefs and bakers, and they really can just, ugh, they gift those around them with their tastiness. Um, well, their tastiness maybe, but also the things that they make are really tasty too. But if we were to carry this forward and think about spring, it can be pretty unpredictable in Minnesota. In April, sometimes we have blizzards and sometimes it's 80 degrees. It really can fluctuate within the month and some years are better than others. But I know that I am always so anxious to get outside and cook on our gas grill. So for spring on a Tuesday, having chicken, I will get into my marinades like nobody's business. Give me some lemon pepper chicken. Give me in a supper bag, some teriyaki and pineapple. Like, oh, just put them in a bag. Let them soak in there and throw them on the grill. One of my favorite summer go-to chicken meals is actually more of like a luncheon or like a lunch type of that type of thing, but it's a chicken salad sandwich or just chicken salad in general. It's very summery to me, although I will literally eat chicken salad, especially if it's a croissant, pretty much any time of year. Um, but I really like have like half tea, half lemonade, which we have nicknamed in the States an Arnie Palmer after a famous golf player who ordered the drink and a chicken salad sandwich. Bonus if there are some cold, fresh grapes and some salty potato chips <laughs> with it as well. But I could easily eat that all summer long. And so that's got to count for like three or four meals too, I swear. Uh, I don't know. My family doesn't go for it as like a dinner quite as much as I would want it to be. So, but you know, there's Saturday meals to plan too. Chicken doesn't always have to be on Tuesday. Um, okay. So what's left? Fall. All right, so that's when we're getting into more of like roasting and adding in some vegetables, maybe doing more of like a rotisserie chicken from the store because it's getting cold, it's getting darker sooner, and the root vegetables are just really coming into their own. And the sweet potatoes and parsnips are popular, just like some squashes. We don't totally get down with the squash. Uh, I do more than, I guess the rest of my family but either way you slice it there's three days a season that I know what I'm having for dinner and you know what that means that means 12 times when someone asks me what's for dinner I know what that is and that is a beautiful beautiful thing that's it for today and remember keep it simple sweetheart <laughs>